hello and welcome to episode 16 of Reds Unrestricted. It's the 7th of May 2021 and my name's Dan Club. I'll be your host today and I'm joined by my co-host Dave Comerford as ever. Before we get into the niceties, just wanted to say we didn't release last week um, as per usual. We were already in the social media boycott that was pretty much blanket across the football world. Um, and not only that, on the back of the social media boycott, we obviously had our match against Manchester United postponed, which is something we're going to discuss with our guests today. But before we get to the guests, um, we're going to check in with Dave and see how he is. I'm good. I'm good, Dan. Yeah, I think the, uh, the boycott... I think I'm right in saying was sort of announced after the episode, so um, we sort of teed it up for a, a pre-Man United one. But to be honest, I I was fairly fairly happy when that United game got postponed because I, I wasn't up for it at all. Um, yeah. I, I think there's quite a few fans who are sort of at that place with with our season at the moment. Hmm. Maybe the postponement was on the back of us not doing an episode, and they thought it wasn't worth it without the preview. Um, but yeah, anyway, moving on to our guests this week, we're joined by Rory Greenfield and Jordy Holden, a special two-guest episode. Um, not really, I suppose there is some footballing matters to talk about on the field, but a lot of it does come off the field this week, um, as you'll be aware, and as will be explained as we go along, really. So we'll touch on the Man United postponement to begin with, um, and I'll bring you in first, Jordy, on this. So basically, first, thanks for joining us, and should... United fans actually be applauded for what they did last Sunday, or did they go too far, for instance? I am a pleasure to be on. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been a mad, it's been a mad week, hasn't it? But yeah, you can sympathise. Well, I can sympathise with the United fans personally, but it's yeah, I, it's something we went through ten years ago, isn't yeah. it? Under under Hicks and Dillett, but the. They have to be fair to them. They have been protesting for a while since two thousand and five. United, I think, soon as just soon as just put the needle in and um, started winding them up a bit there, didn't he? But mm. yeah, it's something. It's something you can sympathise with them on definitely. But yeah, hopefully the Glazers stay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like I say, we did have went for a very similar thing with Hicks and Gillette. It probably didn't boil over as much as that did last Sunday in terms of obviously no games were postponed and. We didn't end up actually on the Anfield pitch, but wanted to get your thoughts on it as well, Rory. Um, like I say, so George, obviously, there we have got sympathy with what they're going through. We're obviously in a different situation in terms of our fan base is quite split on FSG generally, um, and we haven't had the same troubles that United have had in many ways. It's just been more silly errors. So, what were your thoughts on what went on last uh, last Sunday? Yeah, I think I, I agree that I sympathise with their position. I think it went too far, personally. Um, mm. I think there's a way to protest and then there's a way to... Uh, what what it probably did is encourage what you'd always get is a small handful of people that maybe take it too far, do you know what I mean? And they're the ones mm. that will get the... You know... But what surprised me was... I mean, yes, I understand their position. They've been against the Glazers for a long time. Mm. Um, the Glazers haven't been great for their club, but at the same time... They spent a lot of money. I mean, in the last 10 years, it was that day to release this week. I think they spent a billion pounds on transfers in the last 10 years. And only City were a touch higher than that. 
mm. in the last decade. So as much as there's issues with them, they they still put their hands in the pocket. Do you know what I mean? In that sense, I know it's revenue <clears throat> that's yeah. generated by the club, and and you know, but then I guess they they forced United to be this global revenue making powerhouse. Um, they sold their soul to the revenue gods or whatever a long, long time ago. And we kind of were a bit late to to get on mm. board with that, which is why uh, ourselves and I guess Arsenal and and others are trying to play like Tottenham are playing catch up on the revenue side, commercial revenue. Whereas the kind of oil rich clubs and United have just been ahead of that for one reason or another. So it's a tricky position. I, I respect why they did it, but I think they went about it probably in the wrong wrong way but it doesn't seem like they're going to face any punishment which is yeah. quite surprising actually yeah i mean i'm definitely surprised it looks like nothing's going to come of it i think you know you're right to say that there's certain ways of protesting and it probably did go a bit overboard and i think we all know without going too much into detail had that have been at liverpool or anfield last week it might have been recorded slightly differently in the annals oh, of yeah, history yeah, yeah in the annals of history which is it sounds a little bit, you know, a little bit bitter, maybe a little bit, but unfortunately, it's probably the truth, like, and it's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, I wanted to finish off on on just the general persona and what we thought of what went on, Dave, with you, um, and see where you're at with it, really. You know, I, I I would say the majority of fans should be applauded. Like, United v Liverpool is the biggest game in the country, so when you talk about the sort of platform for a protest, like, you you can't really you can't really beat that, and I think. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a general point, really, in terms of like activism. Like, I think a lot of us these days, myself included, are probably too comfortable just airing our views on Twitter. Um, whereas it's a lot more powerful, visible, and kind of impactful if you, you actually cause disruption, as they did. My fear with it, though, is that the few people who inevitably take it too far, and that mm. happens with every single fan base will sort of taint it and like dominate the the coverage of it. And then as a result of that, the the powers that be will sort of make this argument that they can't engage in a constructive dialogue with fans if fans are going to behave like that. And obviously they'd be wrong to make to make that claim. But mm. I my as I say, my worry is that, that you sort of play into their hands by uh, the few people who would overstep in the mark. So that I think that's my view on it. Yeah, I think, like I say, they did kind of lose a little bit of their, not their power, but their their strength in the argument, I think. Had it have just remained, civil's not the right word, but had it even remained outside the actual stadium and the game might have gone ahead, it, it's one of them because it would be easy to say they remain a, a strong argument, but also it could have just been forgotten about the next day, whereas what happened obviously hasn't been forgotten about. And there are threats of it kind of happening again. I think they, they sent basically an ultimatum to the Glazers if they didn't have some sort of communication by Friday, which is where Liverpool have been at in terms of communication, which we'll touch on later, that there'll be more sort of protests. Um, and one of them could, of course, be for the rescheduled match, which is for next Thursday, um, which means United have got a pretty hectic schedule. I think they play three times in five days, which obviously on the face of it sounds brutal. But when you consider that Liverpool were forced to play twice in 24 hours in two different continents... I haven't got much sympathy with them, to be honest. Um, but in terms of the rescheduling, um, I'll come back to you, Rory. Does it play into Liverpool's hands in terms of United being so busy? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it, it's got to, really. Um, obviously, Liverpool 
don't often do well coming off cold spells, you know, where they've not played for a certain period of time historically. Mm. But, you know, we've got a game on Saturday evening, haven't we? 8.15 kickoff. Yeah. And then Thursday. Um, and then we've got a game again on the Sunday. So obviously, you know, it compacts our schedule. But I think I think it'll suit us. I think United have to, you know, Ollie doesn't rotate that much. I mean, even Fernandez played last night mm. uh, against Roma, despite the fact they were, I don't know, four goals to the good or something on aggregate. So, you know, he really doesn't rotate his bigger players all that often. Um, so he's, he's going to struggle if he, I don't know what they're obviously fighting for in the league. They're not going to get the title, but, you know, they're going to keep trying to win every game, I think. So I think it plays into Liverpool's hands. I just don't know what to expect from this Liverpool side. Let's be honest; it's it's no. very difficult to know going into this game what kind of Liverpool are, are going to show up at this stage of the season. Yeah, it certainly is at Old Trafford. But um, I, I'll finish on this topic with you, Jordy. Really, does this give Liverpool under Klopp the best chance to win at Old Trafford? I mean, we've probably said this going into a match there every time for the past three or four years. But does this give Liverpool a genuine opportunity to win there? Yeah, I think I think we're always a bit hesitant going into Old Trafford, aren't we? Oh, mm. I think I think Klopp always will always take a draw at both Old, Old Trafford and Goodison because yeah. because I think he appreciates the atmosphere, the atmospheres of the game and the intensity of them. But yeah, the United play Leicester on Tuesday, don't they? And mm. now have Liverpool on Thursday, which I think I think as you say that the fans. Looking to protest again. I think I think the Liverpool game is going to be the pro the protest game again from what I've heard. Well, yeah. So hopefully it goes ahead, and we we pick up three points on Saturday, and then Chelsea beat City just before our game, yeah. and then that's our game in hand, then, isn't it? So we can go mm. one 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 point behind Chelsea with with three games left, with three or four games left. Sorry. Yeah, I mean. All of a sudden, when you put it like that, we could be backing with a shout at top four, which I thought, I must admit, had kind of gone after we dropped the points against, obviously, yeah. Leeds and Newcastle. Um, but this Thursday night game might be practice for Thursday night footy next year. You never know. Um, <laughs> but speaking of the Champions League, we will move on now um, because, obviously, this week, the Champions League final was decided in possibly the biggest nightmare scenario for Liverpool fans going, I'd say. Maybe United's involvement might have made it slightly worse, to be fair. But obviously, it's Chelsea, Man City. Um, I'm just going to highlight Chelsea's record since Thomas Tuchel went there. Played 24, won 16, drawn six and lost two. Obviously, they beat City already to get to the FA Cup final. Um, one of them losses was obviously that mad game against West Brom. So, not perfect, but they've also kept 18 clean sheets in 24 games. So, Dave, I'll bring you in first. I suppose you could touch on Chelsea under Tuchel and just how impressed you've been. But more importantly, what are your plans made the 29th instead of watching that match? Well, you know, the thing is, um, I, I put on Twitter the other day that, like, especially having watched the cup, the cup semi final, that I think it's actually, it could actually be a really good uh, Champions League final um, in terms of it sort of being high quality, quite closely contested and stuff. But I just don't want any part of it <laughs> whatsoever, no. really. Um, it's sort of the scenario I've been dreading really since the since the quarters, um, and yeah, I think it's like a fitting conclusion really to uh, to this season. I have to say, but mm. in terms of Chelsea generally, um, you know, I think I had I sort of had doubts about um, Tuchel when he first came in, in terms of sort of 
the longevity and the success that he'd have at that club. Um, I think that was off the back of what I was hearing from PSG and how, you know, the position I think they're in in the French league now, struggling to retain the title. I think a lot of that is down to how tricky a start to the season they had under him. And I was thinking, you know, is he all that he's cracked up to be? But, you know, it's it's increasingly worrying how good they are, to be honest. Um, like, I think every time I watch them, I'm kind of struck by how good they are as a defensive unit in terms of sort of, you know, front to back, really. Um, mm. like it, all start, it all starts with their pressing game, which is which is fantastic, really. And uh, the area that seems to be letting them down is, is obviously the finishing with uh, Werner, the main culprit, but Havertz is seemingly finding another level. You know, we all know the potential he has. And, you know, it's, it's Chelsea and Abramovich. Like, they could easily go and pick up another, another striker this summer, maybe even... Holland is obviously the, the dreaded scenario there um, mm. and that could potentially just solve those issues and you know they exert such like control over games and, and they're so flexible and they're so young as well uh, for the majority that like yeah I know you're going to sort of come on to this but I do think that you know ahead of next season we're going to see neutrals tipping them to sort of finish above us uh, for the most part. Yeah, I think it's definitely fair given where we're both at in terms of like form and the two sides at the minute. I think moreover, whether it's fair when you consider us at our best and them at our best, I'm still not convinced. But like I say, we will come on to that in a second. Um, I'll bring you in on it first, Rory, please. Um, I suppose Chelsea generally. Um, I, I still, not. they've mentioned longevity there. I'm still not sure about longevity of uh, Tuchel at Chelsea because... I'm not sure he lasts that long, generally speaking. I think he's quite an intense man, and I think that gets a bit overbearing. And, and plus, Chelsea don't really have longevity in managers anyway. So, yeah, Chelsea generally. and But moreover, what they've touched on there in terms of next season, are Chelsea probably the biggest threat to City? Um, and and do, you, do you envisage us coming back into it in a strong way? So, yeah, I, I think he's got a bit of the... Mourinho kind of mindset about him as you mentioned so yeah Tuchel doesn't stay at clubs all that long because mm. he's extremely intense and certain players do or don't get on with that you know which is kind of very classic Mourinho as well to be fair and Chelsea mm. as you as you said are notorious for not giving managers all that long despite their success at times um, I reckon he's got a, at least a couple of seasons They'll spend more money. I mean, mm. I'm not surprised he's doing well, particularly because look at how much they spent in the summer on top of the squad they already had. I mean, you know, the options in that attack, all right, you know, Pulisic is not doing it so much, but Havertz is a, is a serious talent. Um, Mount is a much better player than anyone maybe thought he was going to become. Mm. Um, and, they, you know, they've got players like, I don't know, just all over the pitch, really, that are just much better than the level they were going to get under Lampard, who just wasn't ready for a job of that calibre or probably won't ever be, to be perfectly honest. Um, next season, on paper, you'd think Chelsea will spend a lot of money again this summer. Um, probably fortify that defence a little bit more with some, you know, maybe slightly better calibre centre-back. And... And then, yeah, they'll, they'll be a force. I think them and City are probably the two that will go head-to-head, you'd think, on paper. Liverpool are going to have that struggle if we don't get top four financially to 
compete, which we might have done anyway. Uh, well, we will have done anyway, let's be honest, because we're not going to spend the money that Chelsea or City would at least without selling a lot of players, which we have a lot of players to sell. There's, there's mm. a lot of work to be done this summer. Um, I think Liverpool can bounce back. Uh, you know, I, I've been so torn on it this season because I wonder whether it's, you know, the injuries were a thing, obviously a, a huge, huge, you know, issue with our season. It, it had such a knock-on effect. In fact, we lost, you know, Van Dijk, who was our, you know, along with Henderson, you know, the key leader in the squad. Mm. Um, obviously, Milner to, to, you know, a lesser extent, who would probably have played less, you know, if we had other leaders around, actually, in the last kind of quarter of the season. Um, and then Gomez went, who actually stepped up. And, he, you know, people were doubting his form quite considerably, but he stepped up and, and was looking looking the part next to Matip. You know, Fabinho not in midfield is is massive to us. If you look at our form has improved when he's played in midfield, you know, because it just squeezes us that much higher up the pitch. But we're still trying to babysit our defenders, our centre-backs, you know, and, mm. and the form is just so mm. delicately balanced that we're just trying to scrape through games. And we just don't have the firepower right now. I mean, mm. Jota's had purple patches. Mo's been pretty incredibly consistent considering you know our, our form of our team but yeah. you know we haven't got enough goal threat you know from set pieces from you know from open play it's it's been so difficult and I, I just don't know and maybe tactically we need a, a reshuffle or rethink along mm. with the the reinforcements so it's a big summer for Klopp there's a lot of work to be done I think we just need to approach the next season maybe in a different different kind of mindset a little bit. It's been so difficult this year. If Van Dijk is fit, we get top three. You know, if he's fit all season, we get top three. Um, and then and then you never know. Do you know what I mean? But mm. I just think United punch well above their weight this year. They haven't yeah. been anywhere near as good as, as their position kind of implies. And their points total, even cities, is nothing near what we achieved the last couple of seasons. Do you know what I mean? So the consistency mm. across the league just isn't there. And City are just walking it because everyone else has been largely knackered. Yeah. If you look at it, like they can rotate and rotate. And for them, it's just easy. You know, they can put out two different sides and, and never look mm. not fresh. Whereas every other team has just been kind of drilling the same players into the ground. You look at Leicester's injuries, look at ours. Um, Tottenham obviously had the Mourinho issues. It's a really competitive league. All the teams are going to spend again because the stadiums are going to be full. You know, there's, there's mm. going to be less pressure there. So it could go any way next season. But I think if Van Dijk stays fit the whole season, we add a few key players here and there. You know, maybe maybe Elliot comes back and makes a difference. You know, there's, you know, Jones will step up again, I think. Mm. Hopefully play a little bit more because he's started to really impose himself at times this year. Um, and then we've got some big problems to solve. Wijnaldum going is is a big change for us. Maybe it's a positive change. Maybe we'll change our style in midfield a little bit. Um, I don't want him to go as such, but if you know what I mean, we, we, we're going to have to change something, I think, to, to really start imposing ourselves on games and creating a little bit more clear chances because mm. it's just not happening from out wide or up front at the, at the minute. No, I, I tweeted something very similar the other day, to be honest, in terms of the big summer coming up. I think this is arguably Klopp's biggest one. Because of what's going on this season, it has been obviously such a fall from grace from last year. Um, but I just think there's so much dead wood in that squad. Um, it sounds really harsh to some of them, and some of them have come good. 
previously for us. I just think we're carrying too many now, uh, whether they be injury prone, you know, not offering as much as they once were, or Divock Origi for that matter, who has been a hero. We all know that, but at the same time, come on now. Um, so yeah, on the on sort of the same topic then, Jordy. Um, Rory mentioned United there. I suppose with United, Chelsea, and City, and obviously Liverpool. You know, what are our chances of toppling all of them? And do you see a genuine title race next season? I think I think not being in the Champions League is going to put us back a year or two, to be honest, in terms of our progression. Mm. But as you say, then it, it's probably it is the biggest summer in in Klopp's reign, isn't it? And it's the biggest, definitely the biggest summer in FSG's reign. Yeah. Because if they don't back him this summer, then they're, then they're never going to back him, and even more people will turn against them. But yeah, just touching on Chelsea there, I'd put I'd put our first eleven up against anyone still, fully yeah. fit. I think I think our first eleven still the best in the league. But Chelsea's strength in depth, they, Chelsea's second team is far better than us. Is mm. far better than our second team, and through the season it it, play, it plays a big part. So yeah, and if we don't get the Champions League. Will will players want to stay? Do you know what I mean? So, mm. but yeah, the, the Champions League final, Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, I can feel a quiet weekend away camping coming there, that bank holiday. To be honest, but no signal, no Wi-Fi, yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. I echo what they what they would say. That was just this board, this boring, strenuous, forget forgettable the season. Really, it, it just got the perfect final, hasn't it? To cap it all off. Yeah, it, it certainly feels like that. And, you know, it's going to sound really harsh and the two fans of the two clubs aren't going to like this if they ever happen to hear it. But it's been a pretty solar season in many ways and they're two football clubs. In a way, I mean, they've got decent history between them, I suppose. But let's face it, the last 20 years, they've definitely bought yeah. the way to where they are now. Like, So it's one of them. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll let you finish off, Dave, on the title race, really. And I suppose... Get into Liverpool's chances of being back involved in it, really, because Jordy, you know, he touched on it there. This Champions League not being in it could set us back a couple of years, and obviously, the potential of players wanting to go away. Yeah, you know, I think for a large part of the season, we've sort of looked at it as Liverpool inevitably bouncing back and renewing that rivalry with City, but I just mm. don't want us to be naive. Um, and sort of not notice how well Chelsea are doing in particular. And also, I think United, we are a, you know, a, a stronger team than United um, when we're at sort of near full strength. They're quite an, an expressive team, really. They're like quite a talented one and Solskjaer knows how to extract the best out of their attack, I think, but they're not necessarily that well drilled or, or disciplined aside, I don't think. And obviously they still need um I think there's still a couple of world class players short of being in a position to really challenge. But yeah, I think Chelsea is the main one. Um and really I've I've sort of said for the past few years that it's gonna be Klopp and Guardiola. One of them will win the title every year until one of them leaves, really. I'd I'd probably still maintain that, but um, Chelsea at the moment look capable of breaking that stranglehold, but you know, new seasons bring new challenges, and mm. as I say, there might be some tensions behind the scenes or or something along those lines. So we'll see. It's kind of very very difficult to say, but I, I don't. I won't go into next season sort of supremely confident. I just hope that 
maybe if it is a bit more competitive that if there are team more teams taking points off each other at the top and no one's allowed to run away, away with it, then maybe that will maybe that'll suit us not having to go for the ridiculously high bar that has been mm. needed to win the title in recent years. Yeah, I think just to just to touch on what you said about United there, I think they win a lot of games via individual moments, like they're pretty poor, certainly in first halves of games. <clears throat> but then like a Bruno Fernandez or a Paul Pogba even will step up and do something that sees them winning. I and mean, they've done that a hell of a lot from an outside looking in perspective. I think just to um, say on our point of view, I am actually quite positive you'd be surprised to hear um, about next season. I think... I do think a big summer's needed. I think we have to get it right in terms of recruitment and outgoings. I'd say outgoings are as important in terms of money coming in to make the, the recruitment happen. But obviously we've started, it looks like we've got Ibrahim Kanate pretty much done and dusted, if you believe what the likes of Romano and what have you are saying. So I think that's a decent start. I think a central defender had to be the first one on the list. So, yeah, I'm pretty positive. Um, but, yeah, we'll come to the main... Main topic of discussion, I suppose, really now uh, in terms of this week. So on the back of obviously the Super League and general fan unrest, um, Liverpool supporters group Spirit Shankly um, met with Billy Hogan this week at Anfield um, and they asked for effective, elected and accountable fan representation on the board, which I think is something that's already pretty much happened at Chelsea. Um, so the fans that are on the board, this being back at Anfield, would have a veto on any key decision like the Super League, like furlough, like trademark sort of situations, I'm guessing. And uh, Hogan agreed to take the proposals under consideration and he'll respond at the next meeting between them. So we'll bring you in, Jordi, first on this, um, obviously being quite close to the matter. Um, do you think the demands were realistic? Um, and do you think we'll get anywhere near them, I suppose? Yeah, they're definitely realistic, mate. Um, it's a step in the right direction, at least even... Mm. the club accepting to meet Spirit of Shankly yeah. on it, it um, but just on it you just hope to see the, the right type of su- supporters on the board if it does happen because it can't it can't just be a free for all It you know people have earned, earned the stripes throughout the years to be on to be on this board and represent mm. the fans in the way that they do so yeah the, there's meant to be a national fan led review but that was that was meant to happen in 2019 anyway, so they're all telling us it's going to happen now. But it was meant to happen in 2019, so but that's for the government, so you wouldn't get your hopes up on them, would you? But yeah, it's not. But yeah, it's definitely not for the feet-minded being on being on no. the board, is it? It's got to take some strong will and standing up to people who are big, who who are big, more more well known than you, mm. definitely. So yeah, but I think we're quite lucky at Liverpool to have such an, um, a good fan representation anyway, even if. Even if the club doesn't always hear it, I think the fans are portrayed in a way which is is right within the core of the club, you know, with SOS mm. and Spine Cop, etc. But yeah, definitely, and it, it can't stop here. It, it it's got to go on to the next thing now. The, the Super League's ha- happened, it, but it definitely hasn't gone. And no. you know, you're already now seeing the ticket prices. Talking about playing Aston Villa, ten thousand fans in the ground, sixty pound a ticket. They're asking. Yeah, so it's, it's just unbelievable. So mm. credit to Chelsea for doing it first, but we we need a good few fans on on the board. It can't just it can't just be one fan. It's got to be fans of different different voices and different areas mm. with with their own opinions on it. But yeah, let this could work really good for fans in the end. But it's got to be it's got to be seized upon. Mm. 
Yeah, I echo all of that, to be honest with you. I think there was talk of the 50 plus one model, but my own personal opinion on that is the Premier League's a little bit too far gone for that. I think Germany got in at the right time, and that might sound a bit negative, but football's moved on in terms of, you know, the, the economy of it and what have you, and the finances. I just think 50 plus one is, you'd have every single owner basically walk away, including FSG, which some people might think is a good thing, but if you turn around to our owners now and say, oh, there's legislation coming in, you only own 49%. I just, I just can't see it happening personally. I just don't see how it works. Um, but yeah, I'll bring you in, Rory, on it. Do you think what Spirit of Shankly are asking for is reasonable? Um, and do you think it's going to be a good thing long term? I, It's a difficult topic, isn't it? It's it's one of yeah. those where, you know, I think what Jordy just 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 pointed out, which I think is, is, is really important to note in all of this, is that Having people on, on the board is, is one thing, but it can't just be one voice because I think you need different fan representation in mm. that environment. I think what, what shocks me about all of this is, is obviously Tony Barrett was appointed in some kind of fan like communication-esque role, I think. Yeah, and, he was, yeah. and I I am surprised that you know things like this. I think furlough in particular, I mean, the trademark thing doesn't surprise me because it's a very American franchise type model thing to do. Do you know what I mean? But mm. um, but furlough in particular, um, I can't believe that got pushed and then and then and then went back on. I mean, the Super League didn't surprise me because I, I felt like they get caught up in the well, we can have the money to to sign Mbappe or do you know what I mean? The fans will be happy because we've got the money to compete, you know, and grow the business or, you know, because they, they see it as a business. They see it as, a, as an asset. They don't see it the way a support would view it. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. you know, like like you mentioned, the 50 plus one, I don't think is feasible here. Germany's got a very different model um, in terms of the league, in terms of the the payment structure around, obviously, um, you know, even, even season tickets are extremely cheap there compared to, to here. Um, and things just work differently, but Bayern just monopolised that league by taking all the talent off the other clubs. And so for them, financially, they can still compete because they're getting the TV revenue and, and then all the Champions League revenue on top of kind of owning things in that regard. In the UK, you know, Premier League, it's, it's a different beast. You've now got, is it six or seven of the richest top 20 clubs, maybe top 15, even top, mm. no, not quite top 10, but... You know, it doesn't really fit. You've got six extremely rich clubs that are trying to go for four league spots. So I can see why they all signed up. Obviously, don't agree with it. I can't believe they didn't even consider consulting with Klopp or anything that went down. You know, I just can't even fathom how it went ahead. So having some fan representation is important. But mm. I just don't think... I, I don't think that proposal will, will get the go-ahead. But whether they whether they get maybe they allow something to happen. Something's got to give from a fan perspective because something like this can't happen again. Um, I just can't fathom it happening again. And then, you know, fans are happy to, to, to maybe forgive FSG this time around, maybe just. Um, but what happens next time? Do you know what I mean? Because if there isn't any fan representation, if they're not going to even consult with Klopp or the players or you know, any of that side of things, if they're just going to go ahead and make crazy decisions, um, I don't know what will happen. It'll start hitting them in the pocket because I think fans at that stage might consider what you, you know, 
you know, walking away a little bit to an extent. You know, mm. I mean, I can't believe I'd say that under Klopp and under these players, but I, d- I don't know what what fans all want to see because it all all become quite soulless um, pretty quickly, and that's not a fun place to be, and that's not what Liverpool represent as a club, and that's not what Klopp represents as a manager. You know, it's it's completely opposite end of why he joined us in the first place. So mm. it's. It's a tricky, tricky question. It's a tricky debate. So yeah. I'll let others have their, their words. <laughs> no, it, it, it is really difficult, to be fair. And I think the points both of you got, both of you made are pretty much spot on, to be honest with you. Um, it does take a hell of a strong fan to sit there in a board and say no to any of these things. But it's the right thing to do um, in, in so many ways. But you're dead right, Rory, in terms of the mistakes they've made. You just said there, you know, you'd hope this would be... You can't fathom how they've made this mistake. But unfortunately, as we well know, 12 months down the line, they make another one of such similar magnitude. Um, so, yeah, I want to bring you in, Dave, obviously, get your thoughts on it. But as Rory kind of alluded to, like, what's the next step? Because we've seen in the past fans have gone away from the club and supported the likes of AFC Liverpool and what have you. So is that where we're getting to now? Or will we get into a United... Esque protest from last week. Uh, good question. Um, in terms of the the demands, first of all, that have been made in in the meeting with Hogan, I think uh, first of all, I'm glad that uh, the meeting's been agreed to. Let's just hope mm. that that wasn't a token gesture. Um, I I do think they'll agree to fan representation, but um, I don't see them. I, I see it being sort of uh, you know a position at board level, but I don't think they'll be granted a veto on decisions. Um, I think that's uh, that's two counter cappers of us, really. Um, you'd be empowering the fans uh, too much for their liking, uh, sadly. Uh, so that's really what what I'm expecting from that. In terms of FSG and like and the future, you know, when we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, I said that I didn't think there was a way back for them, and that John Henry probably wouldn't be welcome at Anfield if he tried to come to a game. I think. Carragher was saying something similar actually when he was on mm. Sky, but uh, now that a bit of time's passed, I'll pro- you know I probably moderate that view a little bit. Um, I'm still very uncomfortable with how they've like disregarded the club's values and and they've done that repeatedly, obviously. But I'm not I'm not ready, and I clearly fans aren't ready. Um, you saw that against Newcastle, so like to go and march against them, and and while it looks like measures are going to be put in place to prevent another attempt at a, a super league or, or something similar to that. I think there's going to be a, a an owner's charter or something mm. uh, that, they have, that they're required to sign up to, which says they can't do that. This this is, you know, surely the last draw. You know, the next time FSG blunders, I don't think I, I I don't I do think it will end in it will end in process. Whether that'll be the end of their reign, I don't know. Probably not, but I do think like this is definitely the last chance to lose. And maybe people were saying that after after furlough as well. Uh but yeah, that's really where I'm at with it. Yeah, I'd say that was I'd say that was all fair enough to be honest with you. Um like you said there, in terms of last chance, I think we don't know exactly how many fans, individuals in the main, just walked away from the previous mistakes. Like I know a lot of people, obviously for obvious reasons, were against the furlough situation and we just don't know the amount of people that might have turned the back on the club at that point obviously not in great numbers but you know it only has to keep happening and all of a sudden you get a hell of a lot of unrest and a hell of a lot of people um, walk away from the club but obviously the one we haven't mentioned was the uh, £77 ticket which um, also went down 
as we all seen on the 77th minute pretty horrendously. But um, we'll leave it there for that now, um, even though we probably could continue discussing it, and we'll move on to actual football matters this weekend. So yeah, we'll from one last chance saloon situation to what's got to be another one, if we're honest, um, and Southampton at quarter past eight on Saturday night, which is a delightful kickoff time when you can't go. Um, I'll come straight back to you, Dave, on this one first. I don't think I've been to you at all first yet. So generally, just a general preview on the match, is this Liverpool's last chance of potentially getting top four? Um, and obviously a lineup to begin with, please. On the top four side, I feel I do feel as if that's as good as as good as gone after the late goals conceded against Newcastle and Leeds, to be honest. Um and it does feel, you know, a little bit on the hollow side. I know Jordy mentioned mm. earlier about how sort of uh it could change around a little bit in our favour this weekend if, if City was to beat Chelsea and um and then we were to get the win, but I don't know, I just I know they have finals to look forward to, but they just have such a, a big squad and and West Ham. Um, obviously, you've got uh, Antonio back as well. So, are we going to finish ahead of the two of those three teams that we have to? Uh, don't think so, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so it does, as I say, feel a little bit, a little bit hollow. But in terms of in terms of a team, um, pretty similar to what we would have put out against United. Um, obviously, the back the back five is kind of obvious because I've put Fabinho in midfield. Um, Milner and Thiago have gone with as well. I think that's our strongest at the moment. Uh, I, I quite like the leadership Milner's sort of been providing really, and I think uh, Wijnaldum's been slightly off it uh, in the, in the recent period. Uh, I think the only change I've got from the Old Trafford team is uh, that I've got Jota um, through the middle as opposed to uh, Firmino. I, I think, to be honest, Jota really struggled against Newcastle. Potentially his most difficult game for us. Mm. Uh, but I do think you know over the course of the game he's so much more likely to put chances away than uh, than Firmino is. So yeah, that's why I've gone with that. Yeah, I say that was fair. I should have mentioned in the uh, small intro to this that Phillips obviously was selected for that game that was postponed at United, having having been out for a little while. So he is well, it looks to be like he's back and available. Uh, I think Klopp's press conference is probably later on today. So. You might learn a little bit more, but I'll come to you, Jordy, first again for the um, your thoughts on the top four. I know you alluded to the fact we've still got a chance, but this weekend's game uh, and obviously your lineup as well, please. Yeah, I think um, the only chance, uh, the only possible way we're getting top four is if we get five wins out of five now, yeah. which is obviously easier said than done. But Chelsea have got to play Leicester as well, though, haven't they? So. Mm. I know, it sounds a bit mad here. Still, um, still back on us to get top four. but Still dreaming, lad. Yeah. <laughs> still <laughs> clutching Astros, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of the team for Saturday, the tough one because we got, we were, it was obviously a dismal performance at Southampton the way, wasn't it, this season? Mm. Getting beat 1 0. Started, that, that was one of the results that started um, the downfall of this season in January. So, but yeah, I'd, um, I'd stay with Jota and uh, I'd stay with Mane even up front, even though yeah, he does look like he's been playing inside his own head and he's he's, he's absolutely knackered, to be honest with you. And he's mm. played football for four years straight. But maybe this little two-week break we're, we're not playing Leeds United has done him good and refreshed his, refreshed his mind a bit. So yeah, I've got written down here that I'd 
Fabinho, Thiago, and Jones at, mm. in midfield. I think I think Jones is one of the midfielders where at least you're hoping that he can get you the goal. Do you know what I mean? Really? Yeah. I think Fabinho, Thiago, and Alden's become a bit stale of, of late. So yeah, I go I go with Jones and um, and Philip. Phillips and Cabac at the back, I think they're both yeah. back with Fabinho midfield. Yeah, I think the, the I've got Jones down in mind, so I'll do mine while while we're speaking about Curtis Jones. I've got the same back five as you boys, um, Thiago, Fabinho, and Jones as well. And I've also got Jota in for Firmino from what should have been the team last weekend. Um and I agree with Dave in terms of the leadership. And Rory mentioned leadership for Milner earlier. And I think that's a big part of why he's been playing recently, because we have lacked leaders. Um for obvious reasons. I don't think Wayne Allen's the leader, I'll be honest. I think he was named fourth choice captain, probably yeah. by the squad thinking he was never going to be captain. <laughs> um, and as it turned out, he's asked the captain aside a few times. Um, but I don't think he's a leader. And that might be harsh, but I just don't. Um, and I like, Jones hasn't really played much. You know, he had a little injury, but he kind of got left out. So he should be fresh. He should be probably the freshest of the lot. Uh, and we need someone to get at their defence potentially on Saturday. Um it would normally be Cater, but I just think what happened in Madrid still might haunt Cater to this day. Um, so, yeah, I've gone with pretty much the same team as you. Um, but I'll bring you in, Rory, for the final say, I suppose, on on teams and our top four chances. Uh, so, I was the same. So, I had Jones and Jota in. Mm. I just think there's more movement there. You know, yeah. I, I think, obviously, the flexibility, the fact that Jota can play anywhere... Seller obviously comfortable playing right or through the middle and Mane can play anywhere across the front three. I, I want to see us try and move a little bit more. I think it's been so static, so predictable. Um, and Jones is different to that, as you said. I think, you know, a, a while back when Fabinho and Thiago were playing together in midfield, they started to build a good understanding. And then I, I still can't fathom that one, but um, Thiago got dropped um, yeah. for, that, for the, the crucial Madrid game. When, when they both looked like they were starting to build a really good base, you know, in front of that defence. And then it allows that, you know, maybe other midfielder to get forward and play with a bit more freedom. Uh, I think Milner will probably start, but I would like Jones to play. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, defence picks itself. And Mane, look, you've got to hope he can come back this season and, and start to show it again. Um I don't think anything drastic will happen over the summer as in he'll suddenly be sold or, you know, or anything like that. But you just got to see the player that we all know come back. Mm. And I know he's still trying and putting in the effort. Um, but there's a couple of times where he's taken on passes when he, he would have buried those chances. Do you know what I mean? So that's confidence. Um, and I just can't believe that mm. the chances we created against Newcastle, we should have been about 8 nil up at half time. <laughs> it was just mm. astonishing. Um, I don't think he'll go bold and pick a front four again because it just left us too open and exposed and Southampton are a you know, pretty good side, um, albeit in mixed form themselves. So, yeah, we've got to win this. Um, as everyone said, we need to win the, the, the remaining five games. Um, I think City will probably beat Chelsea. I'm not sure who Leicester have got this weekend. But we've got to win this and, and beat United. And then and then we, we've got an outside chance. You never know at that stage. Um, but I think more likely settling for Europa is, is where we'll be. Um, 
And and it's got to be Europa because what's the one after that? There's some horrendous other competition, isn't there, next season? Conference, um, the Europa Conference oh League. Oh, God, yeah. you'd be flying to like Azerbaijan on a, on a Thursday. It'd just be horrendous. So, you know, I, I think we've got to, got to try and at least cement fifth. And then you never know. Uh, last game of the season, if we're in a point or two's distance away, you never know. We might mm. might squeeze in. Yeah, I think I think like you've all touched upon, we've got to try and win every game, haven't we? And wherever that ends up, that's where we are. Um, Leicester play Newcastle tonight at home. So, I mean, home doesn't really matter when it's empty, as we well know now. But you'd still back them to win that, especially with Newcastle being safe. Um, so just finally then, to finish off, um, we'll come back with some predictions. I'll come straight back to you, Rory. Um, what are we predicting tomorrow night? Uh, I think we squeeze 2-1. Okay. Uh, Geordie? Yeah, I'm going with 2-1 myself. I think, uh, I think Salah will score. Happy day. Well, Salah's a big one, actually, you mentioned that, because he could still get golden boot. Having, yeah. you know, Liverpool have had a horrendous season, let's be honest with each other. Um, but he could still win the golden boot, which would be testament to him, um, if no one else. Um, and Dave, your prediction? Just very quickly on Salah, I'm, I'm thinking that if he does win the Golden Boot for the team that finishes fifth, sixth, whatever, mm. does that put him in the conversation for Player of the Year in that you know six man shortlist? I don't. I wouldn't say he deserves to win it. I think probably Diaz does, but probably a nomination. I'd say in terms of definitely team of the year. Yeah, yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. By the way, just because there seems to be something going on with him. But if he does finish off goal scorer, you're dead right. I mean, there's no reason why not. Uh, in terms of a, a prediction, though, you know, I had a look yesterday at the form table. If you put it over the last 10 games, uh, Southampton are in the bottom three. Uh, mm. You know, it's typical 2021 Liverpool that their win against us is one of their only wins that they've had all year. I think they've won about three games. One of them was against Sheffield United. They're in, they're in dreadful form. I actually, I actually like this Southampton team, though. Um, and if I had to pick a second team in the league, I'd probably be looking at Hassan Hutt or Southampton because. They're quite good to watch, and um, I quite like quite a few of their players. One of the players I like is Ings. He's not playing. That's mm. huge. Um, Vestergaard's a good player as well. He he's had his ban over ten for it, which is yeah. a boost for them. But I'm I'm thinking one goal win as well. Um, I'm not sure about Southampton's firepower without Ings there. So I'll say I'll say one nil to us. Um, but yeah, it might be too little, too late. Top four wise. Yeah, and just to uh, finish off the clean sweep of three points for Liverpool, I'm going to go a little bit more comfortable. I think, you know, Liverpool have got a hell of a load of injuries, as we know, but Southampton have arguably got a similar amount. Um, certainly key injuries anyway. So I think we win probably two, potentially even 3 0. Um, but I've been saying that for about 20 weeks. So don't hold me. <laughs> don't hold me to any of that. Um, but yeah, no, that's that, that'll be all we've got time for this week. Um, massive thanks to both the lads for joining us. We'll give you the obligatory um, opportunity to plug anything, even if it's your own Twitter. We will put them in the description. But I just want to say thanks. And Rory, I'll come to you for any sort of plugging you want to do with your work, whatever it may be. Yeah, I'm not up to much at the minute. Um, haven't been writing or podcasting lately, but it's nice to get back on the saddle as such. Um, if anyone wants to follow me, I am at Rory Greenfield on Twitter. I do bang on about football um, quite a lot. I've been trying to not so much because it has just been depressing me. Um, but, you know, with Liverpool, it's an addiction that none of us can really turn off, can we? Yeah. So um, let's hope we've got more to talk about and celebrate over the, the next few weeks. 
Be nice. You ventured into picture the birds instead of footy. I've seen. Mate, is... yeah, I've, I've been on and off furlough, so I've been I've been trying to appreciate my time outdoors and keep my headspace. Nothing wrong with that. It's better than watching the birds. Better than watching the birds half the time. Um, Jordy, same for you. Even if it's just your Twitter, anything you want to plug, mate, go for it. Um, no, me not really. Um, the only thing I've got up to do is just to cheer everyone up. Uh, two years ago was Barcelona, so yeah, leave you on that. <laughs> yeah, top, yeah, that's a great, that's the best plug we've had, I reckon. <laughs> Happier memories they were. Um, and Dave, we'll finish for you then. I hope you've got some good countries listening for us. Again, you know, we've done done all right on listeners over the break, but um, yeah, it looks like we've, we're just sort of tying down the, the countries that we do have. Um, okay. Decent presence in Germany, to be fair, we're nearly 10% um, of our total listeners in, in Germany, so fair, fair play to the Germans. But yeah, uh, <laughs> To, to sort of leave with a, a, a positive thought as uh, as Jordy did. I think I'm right in saying that um, this game against Southampton is the last game without fans at Anfield. Um mm. hopefully ever. Because we've obviously <laughs> we've obviously got uh, Burnley, West Brown and United all the way from home and then mm. back on the final day with with ten thousand. So at least there's that there's that sort of positive to look to. Yeah, that that's a proper positive. That in my eyes, I think ten thousand on that last day could be possibly the best thing I've seen all season, including that seven 0 win, which uh, which was all right as well. But yeah, no, thanks for listening. Like I say, thanks for the lads for joining. Um, we'll be back next week, probably to look back on this Southampton game and arguably the United game, um, and then we'll look ahead to when Liverpool definitely finish inside the top four. So cheers for listening. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.